0: Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day, and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast, by Priests for Life. Hi friends, welcome to Praying for America. Good to have you with us Patriots, Christians from across the country. Christians are still celebrating Christmas. And this weekend brings us to the culmination of the Christmas season. I'm going to talk about what for much of the Christian world constitutes that culmination. What's the feast? What are the events in Jesus' life? What are the events in Scripture that bring the Christmas season to its conclusion? I hope it's been a joyous one for you and a time of real recommitment and personal dedication and loyalty to Christ. Also, uh, a few updates on this race for the uh, House Speaker and a few comments about some of the recent uh, postings of uh, President Trump. All that together with prayers for you and readings from the Word of God on tonight's Praying for America this Friday night, January the 6th. In the book of Amos, we read this starting in uh, the uh, 18th verse of chapter 5. Woe to you who long for the day of the Lord. Why do you long for the day of the Lord? That day will be darkness, not light. It will be as though a man fled from a lion only to meet a bear. As though he entered his house and rested his hand on the wall only to have a snake bite him. Will not the day of the Lord be darkness, not light? Pitch dark without a ray of brightness. I hate, I despise your religious feasts. I cannot stand your assemblies. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps, but let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never-failing stream. Let us pray. Lord, you ask us not for simply outward displays of religious faith, but for an inward commitment to justice and deeds that bring it about. You ask us, Lord, not simply to invoke you and say, Lord, have mercy, but to intervene with mercy for our neighbors who are in need. Lord, you ask us to repent, and you ask us to take seriously the command to walk in the ways of holiness. May this command be met faithfully by us by the members of our families, by our fellow citizens, and by our entire nation. We pray through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Now, did you notice how similar that passage from Amos chapter 5 is to the passage in Isaiah chapter 1 that essentially says the same thing? The irony about it is God is telling the people, I hate your Feasts and worship and songs, festivals, liturgies, incense, prayers. And yet he was the one that had commanded that all those things be done. Well, God is kind of going back here on his own plan, implementing the the way that the people should worship him. And that's because God does not want to make a mockery of himself. And he doesn't want his people to make a mockery of him. Because when he institutes... Prescriptions for religious worship, he is giving those prescriptions and he is instituting those feasts with the understanding that the worship is going to be in spirit and in truth, that it's going to be genuine, that it's going to involve a definitive renunciation of sin and an actual lifestyle in keeping with the nature of God. That's why he's angry like this. That's why he's going back on his own liturgical prescriptions, if you will. He wants his people to be holy. He says in the book of Leviticus, be holy for I am holy, says the Lord. In fact, all his commands can be seen as an exhortation to the people to be like him. Why do we have to be truthful? Because God is truth. Why do we have to respect and defend life? Because God is life. Why do we have to do justice in our dealings with one another? Because God is just. He's justice itself and so he's saying here and in almost identical words in isaiah chapter 1 do justice don't come to me with prayers that are not matched with deeds do justice and then you will be able to come and pray in a way that is filled with integrity and consistency that's how we pray for our nation by the way some people sit back and they pray for the nation And they don't don't vote. Or they vote for people who hate the nation. You can't pray for the nation and expect to be heard by God. If you're voting for people who hate the nation, who rewrite its history, destroy its borders, indoctrinate its children, destroy its unborn, your prayers for the nation in those instances not yours, but too many of our fellow citizens are empty and vain. God doesn't listen to those prayers. Those kind of prayers make God angry when they are prayers asking for one thing while we're doing exactly the other the opposite and destroying the very we're destroying the very things we're asking for. We ask God for a land of freedom and plenty. And with one hand, we receive it from him, and with the other hand, we destroy it. It's a mockery. makes a mockery of God's generosity, care, and love. That's what the prophet Amos and the prophet Isaiah are saying. Let's heed those words. Let's help our fellow citizens to heed those words, and let's help our preachers to preach this. Let's help our pastors to get on board with this message. It's one of the things we do in our ministry. So the race for house speaker goes on. It's okay. You know, I sent out a tweet today, and I hope you're all connected with me on Twitter, FR Frank Pavone on Twitter, FR Frank Pavone. Uh, And of course, Truth Social, Getter, uh, all the the major platforms, FR Frank Pavone. I sent this out on those other platforms too. And I said, how is it, by what logic, do some people call several days of balloting for Speaker of the House dysfunctional, and yet several weeks of counting the ballots in the election an exercise in democracy? Yeah, some of these Democrats they'll say, "Oh yeah, well you know it should take uh, as long as it takes because we got to get all the votes counted. People need to be represented." And then go, we have, don't have election day anymore, and we don't have election night. We have election week. We have election month. We have election couple of months. Ridiculous, and it makes us a laughing stock. As we said during the election, well, it was the, the weeks were just the weeks were just rolling on, and certain districts couldn't get those votes counted. That for the other side, it's like, oh, but you know, that's democracy in action. And yet, when a process to vote for a speaker of the house goes into a second, third, fourth, fifth, what is it now, thirteenth, fourteenth ballot? Uh, that's dysfunctional. You can't have it both ways, uh, brothers and sisters. Now, we shouldn't see this as dysfunctional. I can understand the impatience. I can understand the call of those, many of the people that are on our side, and we respect very highly, saying, come on, let's get this done. Um, but I think that can be said in the context of understanding that what is getting done is truly an exercise of democracy in the best sense of the term because each of these members of Congress has the right to vote the way they see fit. In fact, they have a duty to vote the way they see fit. And not all to see eye to eye and march in lockstep with some kind of predetermined plan isn't a bad thing, it's a good thing. Of course, on the other hand, again, as many of our respected uh, fellow members of this, of this great movement are indicating those who are holding back from voting for Representative McCarthy as a leader, as, as speaker, uh, need to make clear what, what they're asking for. And, and in fact, they have made it clear. Some people say, oh, well, they're not asking for anything. Well, yes, they are. And it's important. It's a lot of this gets lost in the Führer, Oh, well, let's hurry up and do this. Oh, this is dysfunctional. Oh, this is a meltdown. Those, listen, those are talking points of the left. What it is that is trying to be accomplished here, let me read, according to this afternoon's uh, report from Politico, Roll Call, and The Hill, the concessions that were given, seven items, um, in order to gain votes for McCarthy are these. Only one House member needed to file a motion to vacate the chair. The Freedom Caucus members, having a few seats on the House Rules Committee that will allow those members to leverage certain criteria behind voting for bills. See, when you look at it this way and you see that this is part of what the discussion is, this delay in getting a speaker elected is actually part of governing This is not just some kind of psychological, oh, I don't like you. It's part of governing here if what they're looking at are some specific things here regarding what's going to affect the passage of bills for the next two years. Voting on a bill setting term limits for members of Congress, one of the concessions. Individual votes on each of the 12 appropriations bills and excluding earmarks from such bills. A vote on legislation surrounding border security. Here's an important one, number six. They're all important. Seventy-two hour notice from release of legislation before voting on it. Member Pelosi, oh well, we'll 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 pass the bill and then we'll see what's in it. Isn't a responsible exercise of lawmaking authority the duty to know what it is that you're voting for? And doesn't the knowledge of what it is that you're voting for require that you read and study the bill ahead of time? If a bill is released at 4 o'clock in the afternoon and you're expected to vote on it at 6 o'clock, what in the world is that? Especially if the bill is a thousand pages long, we've got to be a little bit more realistic here. Again, we can't, and this goes right hand in hand with the idea that voting, as like I said, uh, um, in one of my other recent broadcasts, like voting becomes like a voting machine instead of a thinking, reasoning human being with a conscience. You know, you're just a voting machine. Okay, well, you know, I, we've been given this bill. Here's the party line. I'll vote on this bill. How about engaging our mind and our conscience and our heart and our loyalties and our evaluation as individuals sworn to uphold the Constitution, evaluating that piece of legislation, knowing what it is, and then deciding whether we think it's the best thing for the nation. And finally, a vote on a balanced budget amendment. These things all sound like pretty good things. This doesn't sound like the ranting and raving of disgruntled people who don't like each other. This is part of governing. What's going on here? So yes, let's get it done. Yes, let's get a speaker. Yes, if 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 uh, Leader McCarthy is 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 elected speaker, then then let's get behind him and let's get the job done. That has to be done. Let's give him the benefit of the doubt if 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 indeed he gets the position. But let's not dismiss the these kinds of things, these concessions that are being given to those who are holding out on the vote. This can be very good for America, very good for the Congress, very good for the future. I want to also mention two other things. President Trump made some comments on Truth Social the other day that have some members in the pro life community concerned. Um, And uh, also, let's talk about the culmination, the conclusion of the Christmas season. I wouldn't be too concerned about a social media post. Okay, a social media post is exactly that nothing more nothing less and while it can give an indication of how a person is thinking you've got to give people especially if it's jarring or if it doesn't make sense or if you don't like what it says give the person some space to explain themselves now there were several things said in this post from the other day that he said about the abortion issue well first of all he said it wasn't his fault that uh there weren't more victories in um, in the midterms. That's certainly true. And remember, he doesn't run the campaigns of these various candidates. He may endorse somebody, but they're responsible for running a good campaign. And he wasn't the one that elected them in the primary. You can endorse somebody, but it's the voters that elect them. So, you know, to put the blame on the shoulders of any one individual just doesn't make sense. It's not realistic. Uh, Not only that, but as we've analyzed on other programs, there's many other factors in in regard to how these races turn out. But then he went ahead and said, well, the, the abortion issue was mishandled. Now, to say that an issue was mishandled is not necessarily inaccurate. To say that the problem is the issue itself and that we should be silent about it, I don't hear him saying that. He himself is not silent about it. He himself in his rallies talks about the precious value of each child, born and unborn, Has he has called on Congress multiple times to end late-term abortion. Now that the court has said that Congress is able to do that, it's no time to retreat from the battlefield and run away from the issue. What I saw in President Trump's uh, Truth Social uh, post of of the other day was the assertion that too many politicians have run away from the issue precisely after having tried for decades to get the court to do what it in fact did when it threw out Roe v. Wade. It says, and now they're not stepping up to the plate to play the game. The Dobbs case that reversed Roe v. Wade is not an invitation to walk off the the battlefield. What the Dobbs case did was it took away the unfair advantage that the pro-abortion side had when they declared this was a constitutional right. It's not a constitutional right. It never has been. And if it's not, therefore, those that want abortion to be legal, the dismemberment and decapitation of babies, that is, need to make the case of why it's a good thing. Those of us who want the babies protected, we have been making the case as to why that's a good thing. You, so you see an image of that unborn baby at the beginning of each one of these programs. That's a real human being. So it's no time to run away from the issue. And if people do run away from the issue, well, pro-life voters are not going to be too enthusiastic about those candidates. President Trump has, has, has often said that he's in favor of the exceptions. You know, a lot of politicians say they're in favor of the exceptions when it comes to lawmaking, that they don't think, and, and, and some of them say that because they just don't think that the American public is there yet in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a position to say that there should be no exceptions whatsoever. doesn't mean that they think those exceptions are morally permissible because, again, President Trump and many of these politicians will make it clear they do believe every human being has the, has the right to life. But when we're in a situation where they have no protection whatsoever, it's a big task to move the American public to the point where they realize they all need protection. And some pieces of legislation, what what the president is saying is if the pieces of legislation that are proposed ask for things that the people are not yet ready to accept, the people can sometimes react in a way that rejects the entire piece of legislation and therefore none of those babies get get protection i believe that's what he's trying to say here not that we run away from the issue not that the issue shouldn't be addressed not not that the pro-lifers are wrong in their position but we're talking about the politics of this getting the politics right so that we can get the policies right Let's wait and see if he comments more on this. I think that he will. And very often, you know, when you put a social media post out there and people jump to all kinds of uh, conclusions and reactions, later on when you hear a more um, uh, complete and reasoned articulation of what you really think, then you feel better about it. So let's just give some space on this and see how the discussion unfolds. Finally, brothers and sisters, this weekend is the culmination of the Christmas season. Uh, Christians celebrate this Sunday in many parts of the the body of Christ, the Feast of the Epiphany. Now, this really encapsulates three different biblical events. And I want to just comment and pray over this, and we'll pray over the other news as well. Epiphany is a Greek word that means... Revelation, manifestation. I think of the Christmas hymn, What Child Is This? You see the baby laid in the manger. And then you ask, Who is this? This is God. This is a king. This is a priest in the sense of a mediator between God and humanity. This is the Savior. This is the Lord of all the nations. This is the Son of the Father in whom the Father is well pleased. When and how was all of this manifested? When and how was the question answered, what child is this? It was answered in various events. We see the Magi come from afar, following the guidance of the star, leading them right to Jesus. And they present this baby, what a scene that is, Wise men, kings, presenting a baby with precious gifts. Because he's a king right from the beginning, isn't he? He's the son of God. So that visit of these magi is in itself a manifestation, a revelation of who the child is. Then there are two other events, one at the, well, both of them actually at the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. One, his baptism in the Jordan. John says, are you, I, I shouldn't be baptizing you. You should be baptizing me. And Jesus says, yes, that will come. But let me partake in this baptism first. It was a sign of solidarity with sinners. And when Jesus is baptized and he comes up out of the water, a manifestation happens, a revelation. The Father's voice is heard. Sky opens up. The Spirit comes down like a dove. And the Father says, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. The third event, the wedding feast at Cana. You remember, Jesus turned the water into wine, amazed the guests and the disciples, and the Gospel of John tells us in that that story, in chapter 2, thus did he reveal his glory, and his disciples began to believe in him. Thus, in other words, did he show them, this is not, a mere man. This is no ordinary human being. The wine runs out at the wedding. He can fix that by taking some jars of water and changing them. He revealed his glory. He revealed what was there but hidden until he exercises his power And shows those disciples that this is someone in whom they should believe. All of this is a fitting conclusion to the Christmas season because then it transitions us from celebrating the welcoming of the God who becomes human, the birth of this Son of God, into the work he has to do for us and for our salvation. So it kind of fast-forwards us at the end of the Christmas season all through the childhood and young adulthood of Jesus there with Mary and Joseph in Nazareth right up to the point there where, because we don't have indication in the scriptures of what all those years were like except that he lived and grew in obedience to them and in the grace uh, uh, of God and the favor of God was upon him, but the Story really commences then with that public ministry, that first preaching, that baptism, that wedding at Cana. And then, of course, as we know, everything that follows after that, where he distributes to us our Christmas gifts grace and truth, and commandments and beatitudes and parables and salvation. So, happy Christmas. Blessed conclusion of the Christmas season Uh, this weekend. Let's live out these lessons and let's pray. Father, first of all, we invoke the Holy Spirit upon the members of Congress as they elect the Speaker of the House. Third highest position in government right after the vice presidency. Second in line for the presidency. An important position in the important task of governing. Lord, enable our members in Congress to get it right. Bring about wisdom in these discussions and decisions that if there are provisions that need to be put in place in order to assure a majority vote for speaker, let them be the right provisions. And let those who are making these promises be faithful to what they are promising as the months go on give us lord a functional government and give us lord at the same time a respect for the views the freedom the conscience of those that we elect to this important lawmaking body the united states congress bless the work that that lies ahead of us Bless the work that lies ahead of the Congress, that lies ahead of the nation. And Lord, make us active participants. Enable all of us, Christian disciples and American citizens, to pay attention to the kinds of issues that are being discussed, to pay attention to the legislation that is introduced, to speak into the process of our lawmaking, because too many of us don't, to let our voices be heard, to let our lawmakers get to know who we are, and where we stand on the issues, Lord, let us raise our voices because you have given us those voices. You make them real. You give us the opportunity to change things. Lord, we continue to pray for President Trump as he continues to work for the greatness of America. And we ask that we would understand the things that he puts forward and be able to again participate in that public dialogue that he often initiates with the American people. Enable us to play our role in that as well. And finally, Lord, we pray that as your disciples conclude the wonderful, joyous season of welcoming the birth of Christ, that we would commit ourselves ever more deeply to following him, the way, the truth, and the life. The Lord is of every nation. The light of the nations. Enable us to spread that light in all we say and do. We now pray in the words that Jesus gave us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thanks, friends. Great to be with you. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you next week. This has been the End Abortion Podcast.